going to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, it's us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. Uh, welcome to it, folks. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. I am yours truly, Joey Clark. There's a lot to dis- discuss t- this evening when it comes to the news. Discuss and be disgusted or overjoyed, but it seems like both sides of the political aisle are disgusted for one reason or another. We'll get into some of the happiest groups in society. Yes, somebody has done a study. A study looking into who's really happy out there in society. But is happiness really the measure we should be going with? And that brings me to my top story this evening. Which should make you happy. It should make you say good for him. It should make you feel a sigh of relief if you are prone to care in the first place. Maybe you don't. Apathy is strong these days. I can relate to that. But about four months ago, or excuse me, three months ago, the Jeopardy host Alex Trebek, everybody's favorite Canadian, other than, you know, Chris Jericho, baby. But about three months ago, Alex Trebek announced to the world in a short video that he was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. But today he has revealed, he revealed in an interview, that he is, quote, near remission. It's kind of mind-boggling, Trebek told People magazine. The doctor said they hadn't seen this kind of positive result in their memory. Trebek, who is 78, went public with his diagnosis in March, vowing to fight the disease. About 56,770 people will be diagnosed with pancreatic cancer this year. And about 45,750 will die from it. This according to the American Cancer Society. The five-year survival rate for pancreatic cancer is about 9%, the organization reported. The game show host told People Magazine that he is still in the midst of his chemotherapy treatments. Those are hell. But he's cried, quote, tears of joy, end quote, when he found out how well he's been responding to treatment. He's also credited his fans for their, quote, good thoughts, their positive energy directed towards me and their prayers. I told the doctors this has to be more than just the chemo. And they agreed it could very well be an important part of this, he said. I've got a lot of love out there headed in my direction and a lot of prayer. And I will never ever minimize the value of that. And to that, uh, this skeptic here says, Amen, uh, Alex. Uh, Continue on your road to to recovery. 
But it's a story like that that should warm your heart, that should have you cheering for this guy who's really just been a you know, inquisitor in the public eye for so long. Stern, but fair. Why can't, you know, Alex Trebek just be the next Supreme Court justice? Oh, yeah. He's Canadian. Forgot about that little nugget. But a story like this reminds me of this question of happiness, because that's our other story tonight. And the headline says, a happiness expert says the happiest people of all are women who were never married or had children. Now, this flies in the face of a lot of conventional wisdom, common knowledge. You hear the terrible stories of career women who maybe wait too long and they really want to start a family, but they're having difficulty starting a family. What a tragic situation. But how does this tie into Alex Trebek and his recovery? Well, number one, any sort of fate, what is essentially a fatal disease, a fatal diagnosis, stage four pancreatic cancer, as I said earlier, 9% survival rate. Just the diagnosis is a tragedy. Just the diagnosis. And yet, there's something about seeing somebody in tragic circumstances. In circumstances of immense physical and mental suffering. Overcome. There's something very fulfilling, inspiring, hopeful. About that sort of situation. And even when, let's say, somebody doesn't survive a fatal diagnosis or a tragic situation. doesn't have to be necessarily a disease. There's something cathartic in the way certain people respond to those tragic circumstances, even though they know, for lack of a better word, they're doomed. They accept their fate, and they still put their best foot forward. There's something deeply profound about that sort of feel-good, if you will, very different than what I think a lot of people claim passes for happiness these days. No, there are a lot of ideas out there of what, uh, what compels human beings to do anything at all. What's the base motivation, the pith of why we do anything? Some would say the will to power, to have more power, to feel more powerful in one's life which obviously means power over others, political or otherwise. Some might say it is the being a faithful servant, the love God Almighty with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. Some would go into, oh, it's language that set us free. I like the idea of will to meaning. I think the idea of loving God with all your heart, body, mind, and soul, with all your being, is a good path to finding meaning. But here's the rub. A meaningful life, a life well lived, is not the same thing necessarily as a happy life. So when I see this report that the happiest people are women who never got married and never had kids. It's based on self-reporting. It's from a book. A guy named Paul Dolan just put out a book. 
And essentially, he came up with his study. The book is called Happy Ever After by citing the American Time Use Survey, which compared levels of pleasure and misery in unmarried, married, divorced, separated, and widowed individuals. The study found that levels of happiness reported by those who were married was higher than those who were unmarried, but only when their spouse was in the room when they were asked this question. When the spouse was not in the room, the married people, how did the author, Mr. Dolan, put it, said they were effing miserable. (laughs) I found that hysterical. Because I'm sure you've met couples, married or otherwise, where they put on a good face, but they're not exactly happy with their situation. But here's, let's really get down into this. This idea of compared levels of pleasure and misery. Does pleasure equal happiness? Does misery really equal unhappiness? Well, by definition, maybe say, yeah, of course, of course, what are you getting at? But there's almost nothing in this world worth having unless there's some sort of struggle for it. There are a few good things. It's good to have clean water to drink and good food to eat. It's great to have friendships. Great to listen to a wonderful song. Watch a great movie or read a book that takes you to another place. Things that inspire us and call us to adventure, but most of those things have to be worked for. And most things in life, and this is where I think it's interesting, let's say a married couple isn't exactly happy with where they are. Maybe they're unhappy for a decade. It's miserable. It's like you're sleeping next to a stranger, or at least not somebody who's really a friend anymore. But after that 10 years of misery, you find your friend again. You find that spark again, that flame. But only this time it's so much stronger. Because you've been through the tough times. And even though there were days where you didn't want to be there, where you wanted to leave, you wanted to walk out, You made it through the storm. The most meaningful lives aren't necessarily the ones that have the most pleasure and the least misery. Sometimes taking on a little bit of suffering, taking on a worthwhile weight to lift, a good burden, could be much more meaningful. Now, when you're in the middle of that struggle, are you going to report to this survey? Oh, yeah, I'm doing great. I'm fine. Probably not. And say, I'm not making enough money. I'm worried about my kids. The love life with the wife has kind of gone downhill. TV and all the stuff I used to enjoy just seems kind of boring. And the politics is driving me insane. But if you work through all those troubles, once again, if you work through all those troubles and you find yourself on the other side of it, you find yourself going through a trial... And no matter the outcome of that trial, of that suffering, the way you faced it means much more than your momentary pleasure or misery. The world is made for joy and woe. It's right that it should be so. 
So when I look at Alex Trebek here, who announced again three months ago that he had stage four pancreatic cancer, only 9% of people who are diagnosed with that form of cancer survive. It didn't seem good. Though he did put his best foot forward. Or I think himself and the public at large. So it makes me... Well, it feels good, man. To see that Alex and his treatment is going well, that he's nearly in remission. I wish him the best. Though you're Canadian, you're an American treasure. Thank you so much, sir. Oh, by the way... Sometimes I post things on the Book of Faces that just, all it is is a news article. That's all it is. Don't try to read into it too much. Don't try to interpret what's going on behind the scenes. What did Joey mean by it? Or is there a bigger thing at play here? For instance, I'll give you this. I'm not going to name names. I'm not here to out people or shame people. I'm just saying it's bizarre at times. For instance, today, I posted a local article. The $125 million solar farm investment is coming to Montgomery County. The 800 acres, solar panels, should be finished by 2021, about five miles south of the Hyundai plant. Being put together by a local uh, power co-op, I believe. But some of the responses are interesting. Well, one person says Alabama Power is going to be pissed. Well, fair enough. That's a that's good. Then somebody said, and again, I'm not naming names. It's just out of left. You never know what happens when you put yourself out there. Somebody said, after I posted an article about a solar farm coming to the Montgomery County, somebody said, so the state can grow pot. What? Huh? Where did that come from? Then somebody else got in the idea that it only works when the sun is shining. Well, okay, yes. I think people are taking that into account. We're not completely relying on our electrical grid with solar power. That would be uh, stupid in Germany when they try to uh, prove that. Somebody else said, why don't we do some investigating? And see who was leased that 800 acres, or who leased that 800 acres. I smell corruption. Why? Just because it's a big money figure, a big project? I just, uh, I don't know where sometimes people are coming from. It is uh, absolutely bizarre. You, you folks sometimes baffle me, and I love it. Oh, yeah, and by the way, the national news today should be a big day. But here's the thing. The news is not new. Needs a new name. Because Robert Mueller came out of his uh, special counsel's office. He surprisingly looked well-shaven and like he was in good spirits. Though he looked a little old, I'll admit that. I can see why he didn't want to get into the public eye and all this circus. Man had retired. But he gave a 10-minute statement today. And even though it was 10 minutes, it's a pretty terse, straightforward statement. But it didn't really tell us anything new. And both sides are interpreting it. Like the grand political Rorschach test this whole Mueller investigation, Russian collusion narrative has become. But the one thing and why I'm shouting the news isn't new is because Mueller 
all sorts of news anchors. James Comey, his op-ed he released last night, keep reiterating like it's somehow a new nugget of wisdom and information vital to the survival of the republic and our democracy that the Russians interfered in a massive, systematic way. to change the outcome of the 2016 presidential election. I think we've known this since, I don't know, at least 2017. I think we knew this in 2016. I think there was actually, there was audio of Hillary Clinton saying in a debate, one of the last debates, you're a puppet for Putin. You're Putin's puppet, Miss. Well, not yet, Mr. President, Mr. Trump. And it just, it seems like a, whenever somebody keeps saying something that I already know is true, it doesn't seem like a form of debate and dialogue and discourse. It seems like a cudgel, like you're trying to bludgeon me with information. It's like, I already know. I already know that the Russians interfered in a systematic way in the 2016 election. What I don't often see is the direct effect of it. Yes, the Russians did this. They bought social media ads. They had essentially astroturfing in the flesh and online. The U.S. government claims, and I have no other way to check this, there are some disputes out there, some other theories online, but I'll take them at their word, that the Russians were the ones behind the hacking of the Democratic National Committee servers. This information was disseminated through anonymous outlets, including WikiLeaks. But I've known this for a while. We have known this for a while. So what's the news here? Do you think we've really taken our eye off the ball here? Well, I mean, for the U.S. government to take its eye off the ball wouldn't be anything new. But it does seem a little ridiculous that I'm continually being told that we are continually being told that Russia interfered in the election when we've known this for two years. So what are we doing about it? And one thing I don't like, because it's not just Russia, it's now, I saw an article yesterday, last night, it's now Iran. The Iranians are using social media campaigns. In fact, at times, impersonating local candidates to get out a pro-Iranian message. And you better believe China will be doing this. And Russia will do it again. But hell, I remember a time when Vladimir Putin wrote an op-ed for the New York Times. And people freaked out. Here's the thing. If Americans are so stupid, if they're so quick to be emotional and believe whatever it is is right in front of their face, we have a much bigger problem than foreign psyops. A much bigger problem. What say you, Southernwood? Joey. 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 My friend. My brother. Brother. I consider you a brother, brother. Brother, brother. Not just a brother. 1980 called. They Mm -hmm. want their foreign policy back. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing wrong with Russia. Yeah. That's what the, the, I mean, the, the, the great hope 
and change president said. Right. They, they did the whole the, reset button thing. Yeah, yeah, that that's right. Hillary hit the freaking button. You've got, good gosh, you've got like uh, 12, 16 buttons. Oh, I got there. a lot of buttons over here, baby. I got quite a board. Just hit one. Reset it. Yeah. 1980 call. They want their foreign policy right, back. Right. There's nothing wrong with Russia. And then all, that's the one thing that I cannot digest on the way that all this is being displayed and covered is how in the living world is Russia now all of a sudden the boogeyman? And they've been the boogeyman for two and a half years because it was, you know, leading up into and then since the election of Donald Trump. And when... Romney said, was asked the question, yes. who is the, the greatest geopolitical foe, you know, foe yeah. that we have? And he said, Russia. He was, I mean, there were people like laughing in the crowd. Right. Oh, Russia. Ha 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 ha. Ha 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 ha. Russia. Well, the 1980s called. They want their foreign policy back. And that's when, I, I, that's the exact terminology that. That was 2012. And then what happens in 2014 is the whole Ukrainian overthrow and regime change. I, I don't, and then I don't, Russia that, taking Crimea. Joey, Joey you're, you're giving them way too much credit. Well, I'm not giving the anybody same, credit. The same thing was going on the whole freaking time. Right. I'm it's, not giving anybody credit. I'm giving you the media narrative. It, it's simply... Okay. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you, you're right. But it's, it's simply sour grapes. Oh, it is. That Trump guy won. Right. Well, the only way he won was because of Russia. Well, now, wait a minute. Four years ago, Russia was a laughing stock. Mm. That was 1980s. I mean, that was just... Antiquated thinking. You're a little long in the tooth there, That's man. That's a better way to put yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And well, that, the, you know, the Austin Powers scene where he's like, I'm having trouble controlling the volume of my voice. And it's like, in Russian can, intelligence, Russian intelligence, are you mad? Can, can the I, Cold War's over. Can I tell you a secret? Mm. I've never seen Austin Powers. What is wrong with you? We can't <laughs> be friends anymore. Where's that paddle I bequeathed you? I didn't know we were friends to begin with, but I have never seen Austin Powers. I know the I want a divorce taglines. <laughs> well, that'll be easy. No, I want to get gay married tomorrow so I can divorce you the next day. Well, you can't get gay married in Alabama anymore because we don't do marriage license. You remember they passed that bill yesterday? Well, we'll go to the Unitarian Church. We'll work, <laughs> or sort this thing out, and then you're getting a divorce. An annulment. You never loved me in the first place, because you've never seen Austin Powers. Now, it's just, even though in 2012, I would have disagreed with Mitt Romney, I would say, no, the biggest geopolitical foe is China. President China. 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 With China. a J. China. China. Or is it China? China. 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 Jada. She is like, she. He's take, a good guy. He runs Jada. Joey, take the V <laughs> off. It's just Jaina. <laughs> I thought it was Gina. 
but I would have quibbled with Mitt Romney back then. I think it's China, not Russia. I think Russia is uh, and, and, and is a revisionist power yeah. that doesn't like what happened with the fall of the Soviet Union. They want to show a little more dominance, have a little more pull and sway uh, around the world, and especially in their region. They're near abroad, but they're paranoid. Yes, they have a lot of nuclear weapons. We should worry about Russia. And they are sophisticated sure. when it comes to cyber warfare and these sorts of things. I mean, and which is actually smart on the Russians' part. You don't have a big budget. You can't really take on the United States with conventional warfare other than the nuclear deterrent. Then what do you do? Well, let's go into the cyber world. So all that makes sense. I still think China was then and is now the bigger threat. But yes, I think a lot of this is media narrative. And it's the one thing I can't stand from as long as I've been following politics, which hasn't been that long, but about 12, 14 years even. Mm -hmm. We have done foreign policy by media freakout and by crappy narratives the media is given by their butt buddies in the government. And it is a his poor way of running our country, of talking to one another, and honestly, what the Russians did and how they were so effective and how any other country, whether it's China or Russia or Iran, the way they will be effective with the cyber campaigns is by playing off America's greatest weakness and probably its most pervasive form of bigotry. And what is that? Partisanship. Okay. We already don't like each other. We're already distrustful, uncharitable, ready to score points and win power against one another. So okay. if you're a foreign power, it's like, well, we'll just use that against them. So we'll play both sides. So what you're saying is Vladimir Putin came to Georgia to campaign against Donald Trump. Yeah, he was looking for a soul to steal. He, he went to California to campaign for Hillary Clinton. Yeah, he's looking to make a deal. That, that's, that's what he did. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he, he went to Massachusetts and campaigned for Hillary Clinton. He was actively campaigning on the funds from the Russian government <laughs> in order to do that. He went to Mississippi to campaign against Donald Trump with Russian government and Oh, no, wait. No. I'm mistaken. I'm 180 degrees off. That was Barack Obama that went to Israel to campaign against Bibi. Yeah, and the little coup party, yes. And the U.S. government has a long history. I'm talking that. about the same Barack Obama that went to your, I mean, uh, England to campaign against Brexit. And say, don't do it. Right. Oh, so we don't do anything wrong. No. It's just the other people right. that put out. We're the empire man, meant to bring freedom I, and democracy to all the people of the earth. I, I wish we could cuss on the radio. <laughs> Please Joey, don't. Because it, this, this gets me so fired up. Yeah. But, but it's the Russians that elected Donald Trump by spending 50,000 freaking dollars on Facebook. Well, and yes. I left the other three words out. Sure. I would say or the most forceful syllables. If you accept the government story, the most forceful thing, most provocative thing the Russian government did was hack the DNC server. 
uh, you and mean, release the email. You mean when the when the DNC gave them <laughs> right, the server? It was a simple phishing operation. Yeah, here, yeah. change your Google oh, password. <laughs> you mean you mean Seth Rich, who is about to die? Oh, yeah. Because he was a turncoat and and should be protected, and now he's dying of some mysterious cancer. That Seth Rich that has six hundred million pages. No, Seth Rich was the one who was uh, shot. Oh, Seth Rich. Oh, that's right. Seth Rich was shot. He wasn't robbed. No, no, no. He was killed. He no back out. No, 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 he he was not killed. Oh. He was not killed. He committed suicide, shot himself twice in the back of the head. He was preemptively and neutralized. And then zipped himself up into uh, uh, a, right, right, a right. little locker and, right. and locked it. Oh, it's amazing how long you can do things that seem like you're still alive even after you're dead. Uh, apparently it's a, it's, so. It's a little-known fact. that Even after you shoot yourself, you can do things like you're fully lucid and functional. It's, have you seen Fight Club? He didn't die when he shot himself <laughs> in the face. Killed off Tyler Durden, but he didn't die. You know. But here's the thing. <laughs> we have known, the news isn't new, we have known for two years plus, the, the Russians interfered in the election. That's pretty much true. To one extent or more. What was the Mueller report really about? Because we already knew, because of the intelligence community assessment, as well as a myriad of other theories out there, the Russians interfered. What was the Mueller report and investigation really about? Did the Trump campaign collude, conspire, coordinate their efforts with the Russians? And Robert Mueller on that topic came back with insufficient evidence. Now, by the way, I I don't I'm not a lawyer, but I imagine the idea is if you have insufficient evidence, then somebody is exonerated. You don't have to prove a negative. You don't have to prove your innocence, you're presumed innocent. Yeah. It's what Mueller said today in his statement that all these indictments do not suggest innocence or guilt on the part of the people. It, it does it's just an indictment. We think the evidence leads this way. Simple example. Very simple example. And I mean, this is breaking it way down simple. Did you speed on the way to work today? I mean, you drove from your house to the radio station. Did you speed? Nah, Did you break the speed limit? Actually, I didn't. I was going on a pleasure cruise, man. I was driving slow. Okay. Top down. How can I prove that you did not speed? Right. I don't have any evidence that you did speed. Right. You didn't pass a police officer. You didn't pass, uh, you know, uh, uh, you didn't run through one of the traffic lights. Right. You didn't break any traffic laws, as far as I know. So I can't say that you didn't speed on the way to work today, but I can't say that you did. Right. And that, I mean, that's what it comes down to. You're not called upon to prove a negative, and you, in this country, in our legal system, you're not called upon to prove you're innocent. You have to be proven guilty. All that said, though, the key question for two years was whether or not Trump and his campaign colluded, coordinated, conspired with the Russians' efforts to interfere in the election. Um, Mueller came back with a big fat no. Not enough evidence to show any of that. Not just Trump or the Trump campaign, but any American. Wow. And now we're hung up on obstruction. And honestly, impeachment has always been a political standard. It's not like a standard courtroom. 
I hope they do. So here's my position, because I'm not like deeply on the Trump train. I'm not going to shed a tear if Trump got impeached. But I don't think you have the stones, Democrats, to do it. I don't think you have the wherewithal to do it. I think what y'all want is you want the threat of impeachment hanging over the president's head so you can make it a political issue going into the next 2020 election. And the reason I'm all pissed off about this is because I'd rather the American people be talking about, you know, issues. Major issues. Big issues. Big narratives. Whether it's geopolitics or domestic. But no, we're going to bicker and bitch over personalities. And whether or not you think the orange man's bad or Donald Trump's the greatest president ever. I don't give a damn what your opinion is on the president. What do you think about the national debt and deficit continuing to go? Do you think the stock market will always continue to go up and up and up? Or maybe interest rates will eventually rise at some point, which makes payments on our national debt even worse and untenable. Makes us weak domestically and when it comes to foreign affairs. Maybe we should look into the ongoing relationship with China beyond just trade, win, or lose. The larger issues with China, the larger issues with Iran. Maybe we could have you know people on frickin' national platforms actually have a robust, intelligent conversation about these things. Maybe you could have a detailed discussion about health care and how we got to where we are now, or education policy, or energy policy. You want renewable, clean energy? How about nuclear power? Or have you figured out a way in order to, I don't know, make solar energy more efficient? I don't know. I'm open to all these things, all these great, interesting conversations. I think a lot of these infrastructure bills are big boondoggles that pay off a few cronies, but maybe we do need better infrastructure in certain parts of the country. Let's talk about it. But the thing is, none of that is sexy enough. None of it is sexy enough. We have to distract the American people with stupid palace intrigue and personality politics. Because apparently, and the director and writer of Idiocracy said this, I didn't know the movie would become that, be that prophetic that quickly. And that's why we have a much bigger problem in the fact that Iran and China and Russia and so many other countries want to influence what the United States does. It's that we're so easily influenced. We're effing marks for anybody with some sort of passionate personality play. It's yeah. ridiculous. And if we don't get our heads out of our asses, again, we're going to have much bigger problems than some foreign adversary buying Facebook ads and hacking and telling selective truths that we assume were true anyway. <clears throat> well, and, and the one thing I would say, if you are, if your vote is influenced by Facebook, we're screwed already. There, there's nothing you can do to change the mind of that person that sees something on Facebook and says, oh, I just saw a meme. Oh, well, I'm not voting for that guy. I'm voting for this girl. And that's a whole other area. we got to hit this break. That's a whole other area. This march from both sides to regulate the Internet. It's a thing called the First Amendment. So let's just stop this. If you believe in the First Amendment, just stop it with that nonsense. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening.
Welcome back, folks. This is Joey Clark here, sitting alongside me. Who's had a busy day, so I had to be here a little late, but I appreciate Southern Wood being here tonight. And the show in part is brought to you by Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. Great yeah. guy. You mean the real estate dude? Yeah. You need a real estate agent, think Eddie Bader. But see, I don't need, like, to buy or sell a house. I need someone to manage a piece of property oh, that can, I already own. He can do that, and he with the Goodson Group can help you do that. I mean, this is how Eddie really got his start in real estate, managing his own properties, and he went to Bo Goodson's real estate school, and he learned how to be an agent. And they offer those services, management of given properties you already own. You don't have the time yourself, pay somebody a reasonable fee, the Goodson Group can do that with so Eddie Bader. That's like the tenant doesn't call me and say, hey, no. my toilet's not working. They call Eddie, and Eddie's yeah. like, I got somebody on the way. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All yeah. right. Uh, and they, they do that a great works. job. They're very attentive on top of it. But if you are looking to buy or sell a home here in the River Region, and maybe you're like, oh, I don't know, I could not, I'd have no chance in hell buying a place. Give Eddie Bader a call, 322-0662, 322-0662, and let him show you the options out there. You might be surprised. A lot of great listings out there that are at a reasonable rate. It'd be a hell of a lot cheaper than renting. You get the tax write-off. I mean, it's just a win-win. Or if you're looking to sell that place because that family's growing, or maybe you got to move. We, I know we have a lot of military families in this area. It's basically free money, man. Exactly. Eddie Bader just knows how it works from every side of the real estate situation. And because he's working with buyers and sellers in the market, and he's very proactive. He's not just hammering a sign in your front yard and waiting by the phone. No, he's trying to get things done very quickly because it helps you. It helps him. It's a win-win all the way around. So if you need a real estate agent, whether to buy or sell your home, the Goodson Group to help manage a property, give Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group a call. Again, his number, 322-0662, 322-0662. So this story I came across later in this afternoon, mm -hmm. and it's a tough topic, but it's also <laughs> that's 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 what we do. That's what I specialize yeah. in. Yeah, no, but this one's you have daughters. Yes, I do, and I have three. They have cell phones. Yes, they do. Okay, so you could put yourself. I mean. In the shoes of this situation. Fitting to jump over this table and start pounding on you now. It's a good example, though, of how laws, the spirit of laws passed, sometimes goes sideways, I think, even on the people that pass the laws. I'll just read the story. Maryland's highest court, Maryland Supreme Court, will soon decide whether a 16-year-old girl, she's known as S.K., simply, can face child pornography charges, child pornography charges, for taking a video of herself performing a sex act and sending it to a few of her close friends. SK shared the video in which she performs, well, it's what got Bill Clinton in trouble, with, okay. two, with an unidentified male, and she shared it with two close friends and fellow students who later reported her to the school resource officer. SK was the only person charged in connection with the alleged child pornography crime. The Special Court of Appeals upheld SK's conviction, ruling that the consensual nature of the sex act in question was irrelevant, as was the fact that it was not illegal for SK to perform the act. 
Taking a video of the act and sending it to other people constituted distribution of child pornography, according to the court's decision. Okay. They go into how the First right. Amendment of the United States doesn't protect, uh, you know, child pornography, which I, I agree with that. Yeah, I, um, I mean... I agree I'm with sure. that we should have child pornography laws. But, like, I mean, I don't think when people were passing those laws in Maryland or anywhere else, they were intending to throw somebody in prison, in this case a young 16-year-old girl, in prison for doing it to herself. What is... What is... Like and it's not like she distributed it all over the internet either. Shared it with, I guess, four people. Okay, and and that's that's what I can't get through my mind. And it may just be that I'm slow, but it, why is the age of consent sixteen? But if In you're Alabama, if is. you're under eighteen. You can't, and maybe that's what it is. It may be in interstate. I mean, when you yeah, get into interstate stuff. I mean, that, I mean that changes all kind of rules and regulations and all that. But if I mean, you just read in the story that what she did was not illegal, but her distributing it made it illegal. Right? Is is that because well, that- and her attorney is it's a public defender. Uh, Claudia Cortez, she argued in what is the equivalent of Maryland's state Supreme Court. The statute in question is kind of the point I brought up. The statute in question is not, not intended to punish minors for being featured in pornographic materials, but rather to protect them. Mm-hmm. Punishing SK as the state has attempted to do is cruel and authoritarian, so argues her lawyer, and I tend to agree with her lawyer here. And again, it's not like she broadcasts this all over the internet. Like, it's some, I think, well, here's what they were saying, that oh, what what would the punishment be? The state is arguing this. They've asserted that this 16-year-old girl needs guidance and that probation and a mandatory mental health evaluation, evaluation are reasonable outcomes. At her initial hearing, the prosecutor said the state was not trying to prove a point in going forward with this case, but the state believes that the respondent is in need of some guidance, rehabilitation, or something deeper, and is just trying to help her. And she probably is. Yeah. But that's not just... There again, we need to not have these FCC rules. It ain't the state's bleeping job right. to tell you that. Raise your freaking children. That's actually at the end of this article. The guy I, I follow, I've met him, uh, Robbie Suave, um, he said that teens shouldn't send sexy videos to each other because they're bound to get out, cause embarrassment, and raise legal issues is uh, something this particular 60-year-old girl's parents, teachers, and even school administrator, administrators could have impressed upon her without the heavy hand of the government, of the police and the courts, yeah, of the government. It is draconian to charge a 16-year-old girl with trafficking in child pornography because she willingly filmed herself performing oral sex. I mean, it, it is a disturbing precedent if it's upheld. Yeah, and, and and I would be, I mean, absolutely destroyed if that if one of my children oh, did right, that. Right, right. But that's my job to instill virtues in them where they would not do something like that to begin with. Right. 
You know, anything can happen on any given night, uh, you know, when the, the situations get right or something like that, and it's just like, oh, I screwed up. I shouldn't have done that. Right. I dig all that. But if, I mean, you got the camera out and somebody is filming you with you doing that, that's, <sighs> you pretty much, you're messed up already. Yes. And so, in one sense, I say, yes, she does need counseling. She needs counseling from her damn parents is who she needs counseling from. And I can guarantee you, she ain't got two parents. Guarantee you. And I don't have a daughter. I don't have any children. I guarantee you she ain't got a... Right. Watch it. Daddy. Yeah. But, (laughs) you know, the weird thing is, and this is just a weird thing. Wait two years when the 16-year-old SK becomes 18. She can run out to California or Los Angeles or Miami and, you know, film herself doing all sorts of stuff, and it's completely legal. That's right. And that's just... We, there's got to be a line somewhere, and I get that. That's just... It's odd. It's a, it's a weird area. The reason I cover these stories about perversion and sex when it comes to the law is I think they're some of the most difficult conversations to have. They're important to have. And when the laws that are made in good faith and with good intentions kind of move sideways on people and they're branded as a sex offender for life or you traf- you were charged with trafficking and child pornography, which, you know, you read that charge, it's like, what did you do? And, and, and so oh, you filmed yourself? And and that and okay. that's a, that's a great point because if this if this is a child that has gone wayward and she thought it would be cool to do that and she gets charged with trafficking child pornography, Man. you know, ten years from now when she goes to get a job, right. she's gonna have a freaking felony hanging around her neck, yep. and they're gonna be like, "Oh, you did what?" Boy. And you can tell the story, and what is the employee? The employer, what they're going to do, they're going to look at you, and they're going to go, oh, yeah, sure, that's all you did. What they're going to do you is know, end up pushing her into porn. I mean, they're <laughs> not they're not going to believe the story. <sighs> and that's, I mean, that's just yeah, freaking not up. fair to the yeah, young I just, I saw that late kids. in the day, and uh, that's a crazy story. Absolutely crazy. This is why we have courts, though, and judges are given discretion, because sometimes the letter of the law um, really doesn't cut it. You need the proactive human mind to kind of settle these things, and I hope the judge isn't heavy-handed in this regard. It looks like we're out of time. Um, Again? I am so happy. I don't know if you heard writing in Alex Trebek is doing really well with his therapy. He says he's in near remission with his pancreatic cancer. That's fantastic news. Absolutely kind of unbelievable. My favorite news of the day. Um, that is actually new news, unlike the Russian crap that we continue to talk about and pull our hair out about. But my hair's still growing and luxurious, baby. Thank you for being here. Down to your belly button now. (laughs) (laughs) I'll talk to you all tomorrow night. Joey Clark.